Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 7, The Serene Squall. So, Vicki, did you like this episode? I was disappointed in this episode. Oh, okay, tell me more. Yeah. What disappointed you? I was disappointed that I knew from the very first scene with Dr. Aspen that they were really part of the people that they were warning the Enterprise about. Right? And yes. I was even... I, just, I said to my spouse and my son, she's a bad guy. Yeah. And I was even more disappointed when I was right. Yeah. And then the rest of the episode was kind of reminiscent of the original series, but not in a good way. Um, <laughs> the whole thing with Pike and the pirates was ridiculous, or how they tricked them into mutiny, I should say. Was, yeah, it was a little comical. I didn't even find it funny. I understand they're trying to reflect the good old days, but I mean... We've seen that play for 50, 60 years. It's done. Yeah. It's not even funny. I mean, yeah. but as Trek goes, it's still far better than most first season Treks, in my yes. opinion. And I'm not saying there weren't any good moments. There were, but I was disappointed in a lot of it. You know, I, too, spotted the badness. As soon as she said they have a bond, I said, she's bonded, bad guy. <laughs> so, yes, it was kind of disappointing and yet kind of fun to be right. I didn't find it fun. I saw it coming, but I was hoping they were going to turn it on its head. Yes, that's exactly what I was hoping to, turn it on its head. And instead, she was just sort of a over-the-top, mustache-twirling bad guy. Right. But that being said, I did not mind it so much because I didn't feel like this episode was trying to do something and trying to ram it into me as the viewer and the fan. It was just, we're going to have some fun. Yeah, no, and so, I get it, yeah. I was okay with that. So let's go ahead and talk about this a little bit, because this is not a complex story. This no. is a pretty, pretty simple story. Yeah. The Enterprise has this guest on board, Dr. Archer, Archer, right? Um. Oh, God. Aspen. Aspen. Why did I think Archer? Okay. Dr. Aspen, who is supposed to be a counselor, and she left the, her counseling position to go work with colonists out on the borders of the Federation, or as Christopher Bikes put it, the Wild Wild West, which, of course, goes, you know, references back to the original premise of the original Star Trek, which is Wagon Train to the Stars. So, I mean, this is supposed to be like the Wild West. Right. Okay. And then, of course, she warns them about virus. <laughs> Which, of course, we knew right away, oh, yes, you're one of them. Right. And then, sure enough, they are trying to find the colonists, and they have to cross the border to look for them because they don't want them to become slaves. And then they're caught by something that looks a lot like Tholian Web. Yes, I did think that, too, yeah. Um, so I guess the pirates must have stolen that from the Tholians because they said they'd never seen technology like that before. Right. And they're able to get away from the Tholian Web. You know, it's funny. In the original series, Tholian Web... I enjoyed that episode a lot, but I can never for the life of me remember how they got away. I don't remember either. <laughs> and I always try to watch it and remember, and then it always leaves my head. Yeah. I don't know why. I'll have to go watch it again. 
to see if I can figure out how they got away. Anyway, so they did get away from the Tholian web, and then they go find what's supposed to be the colony transport ship, and then they are getting signals that there are 200 colonists, just like Dr. Aspen said there were, mm-hmm. and they, they beam their, their security team on board, and there are no colonists, and they get captured by pirates, and oh, that's not a colony ship, it's the Serene Squall, the pirate's ship. Right. So then we've got pirates on board the Enterprise. They beamed over when the security team beamed over. And they're taking over the Enterprise. And on the Serene Squall, they've captured the security team. And then things get funny. And they already kind of started off funny because in the very beginning, we get these this hilarious scene with Spock and T'Pring about how she's trying to read texts on human sexuality so that she can better meet his needs. Right. Which I thought was kind of nice. It was, yeah. There were parts that I liked. I did like the Spock and T'Pring and Spock and the Doctor. I did like that. Yeah. Then we've got these two sort of parallel storylines going on where on the Serene Squall, Captain Pike and his security team, including his first officer. So it's like everyone who can do anything except Spock had beamed over to help the colonists. Right. And he's he's getting hit. He's getting, you know, like tortured with punches. And he complains about their food and he offers to make them good food. (laughs) What? Okay. Exactly. And while he's making them good food, he plants the seeds for a mutiny. Right. Which apparently the pirates took. This is all, this story is a very two-dimensional story all the way around. The characters are two-dimensional, the story is two-dimensional, our main heroes are kind of two-dimensional in how they respond. It's just sort of a, a story. Again, it's not something that's, uh, you know, deep and trying to communicate something or trying to move a, a broader plot line forward, except at the end. So, yeah, absolutely not, except at the end. <laughs> Which we'll talk about in a moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and it's just so, from that standpoint, it's sort of, it was very fluffy. It was like frosting without actually eating the cake. That's what this episode was like until the end. And then you, you discovered the cake was a little stale. <laughs> okay, so back on the Enterprise, we've got this Dr. Aspen who is sort of trying to connect with Spock in some ways about, you know, telling how she, she's known Vulcans before and they didn't go through the colonar and, you know, all this stuff. And she's, She's trying to be a counselor to him, but all this, all the while, you know, because we know she's the bad guy. Eventually, it comes out that she's the bad guy. Right. And it's when Buck and Chapel, who escaped the pirates through some pretty cool use of knockout drugs. Right. You know. Ipo sprays of knockout drug, and then teams up with Spock and Dr. Aspen. I used quotation marks there that no one can see, but big, heavy quotes. <laughs> Dr. Aspen. Right. Um, they go to engineering to try to retake the ship. Dr. Aspen learns the command codes to get back into the computer, and then she reveals herself. Not only is not is she not Dr. Aspen, but she is the captain of the pirate ship, Captain Angel. And she takes him back up to the bridge, and then she sits in the bridge. And by this point, she's in full mustache twirling mode, which is actually kind of fun to watch. She's sort of just sort of off the wall, and it's kind of fun because it's so nutty. It's like Harry Mud level of nuttiness. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> Not as much fun, but that kind of level. And so then she opens a communication with Spring, who is working at her rehabilitation center, which is sort of like a prison for Vulcans who have stepped away from logic and done evil things. And she wants a particular prisoner returned to her, who apparently is her boyfriend, husband, lover. I, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, significant other. Yeah. And so she is threatening to kill Spock if Supreme doesn't bring this prisoner. And you know who I thought this prisoner was going to be? I just thought it was going to be the guy that Spock and the doctor, when Spock was in 
to Pring's body yes picked up because he was from the same group yes I did too I thought that was so I thought that was going to be sort of a bad guy that we were going to get more development of this was somebody important enough that somebody was going to kill get to get back we're going to pause right here for a quick break we'll be right back Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. When T'Pring is like, I can't do this, Spock is like, well, you know what, T'Pring, you don't have to do this because I'm actually in love with Nurse Chapel, and he smooches her on the bridge, and then T'Pring's like, okay, then, then we're going to break up our engagement, and they go through the Vulcan ritual of breaking up their engagement, and Captain Angel's really frustrated by this. Right. Because, you know, yeah. And just when she's like, okay, well, I, I, I'm i going to, did she try to kill him anyway? I got kind of lost there. I believe they did, yes. Yes. Anyway, but then, by this point, Pike and Una and the rest of the guys have started the mutiny on the pirate ship, and now they're firing on the Enterprise, and they're going to take over the Enterprise, and he gets on the communications, says, get out of my chair, and so then she beams herself away into a separate ship, and then they beam the pirates off the Enterprise back to the Serene Squall and beam the crew back to the Enterprise because the Serene Squall is now in complete mutiny mode. And that's it. And then Spock and T'Pring rebond afterwards because she totally figured out that, or assumed, that he was just playing make-believe with Chapel. But did she? Oh, and but, did he? Did But I don't think he did. That's not even a, my question. My question is, did she realize? I think that's a good question. Hi, editing Vicky here. I just wanted to clarify what I was trying to say about Spock and Supreme. I thought it was obvious that there was some emotion on Spock's end. So when I said that wasn't my question, that's what I meant. I thought it was obvious that there was some emotion on his part. I do believe Tupring believed that this was all done for Captain Angel's benefit. But I do also believe that she saw that there was emotion there. And why do I keep calling Nurse Chapel the doctor? I have no idea. And did you notice that the guy who was with her at the rehabilitation center is Dawn? Dawn is the one she dumped Spock for in a well, long time. That's what I assumed, and I couldn't remember yes. his name. But, yeah, I just kind of uh, took that for granted that that's who it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was him. So we are we got to see Dawn, too. Anyway, so then there's this really uncomfortable scene between Spock and Chapel as he's like, oh, I was just, you know, faking it. And she's like, of course I know that you were just faking it. And both of them are, like, painfully awkward. <laughs> And so and that was pretty much it. I mean, there really wasn't that much else. Did I miss anything? Except for the end. Well, yes. Okay, let's talk about the end now. Oh, boy. Okay, so <laughs> the end. <laughs> Chapel asked about who is this prisoner that was so important that Captain Angel was willing to risk everything capturing the Federation's flagship to get his return. And Spock says he suspects he knows who it is, and it's his half-brother. Right. The one he was never supposed to talk about. The one he was never supposed to meet. Right. His half-brother, Cybok. Right. Cybok, really? <laughs> really? And, you know, I remember when the movie came out, how everybody complained that 
sidewalk wasn't canon and where did that come from so at least they're trying to shove them into canon now yeah but. <laughs> and, but, okay you know what i didn't care whether <laughs> sidewalk was canon or not because right. i'm okay with introducing new elements as long as they're plausible right and sidewalk was plausible it was just not a good movie <laughs> <laughs> true so here we are we don't talk about sidewalk right <laughs> <laughs> This is where we get to the cake part. Enter an element of an arc that I'm presuming is going to now be part of the overarching storyline in this season. I'd have to think so. Or maybe they're just going to bring them up and leave it like that. You never know. You never know what they're going to do. You know? I'll tell you what. I don't think that's going to be the case. And this is why. Because we actually got to see him. True. At the very last one, there's this you know voiceover with Spock talking about his half-brother that they don't talk about. We get to see Supreme and Stan going into the cell. And we get to see a character. So they, they actually hired an actor to play this role. Why would they do that if they don't intend to bring him back? I don't know. I don't know where they can go with this. Well, and I guess here's the question. Because I've only seen The Final Frontier, which is the movie Star Trek V, the fifth of the Star Trek movies, and that was the one that featured Cyborg. I've only watched it once. I only watched it once, too, when it first came out, so... Right, and I don't remember if there was any conversation about anything that Cyborg had done prior to the events in the movie. If I remember correctly, he was kind of portrayed like a cult leader. Yes, so he had followers. Yes. So there had to have been some kind of activity. First of all, he had to have escaped from this rehabilitative colony or been released because he fooled them into believing that he was okay again. And then there had to be activity collecting the followers. And so there's, there is possibilities for storytelling related to conflict. Uh, you know, either he escaped and he had to be searched and then couldn't be found, or he was released and then started engaging people in such a way to gather followers. I mean, there is the possibility for storytelling there, so we could we could see him again. Yeah, there is a possibility for story, but there's really not a possibility for resolution in this series, which yeah. is fine, I guess. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that one. So that's why I don't know how far they'll go with it. Yeah. And they actually don't know. Uh, I'm looking at um, Memory Alpha right now, and they don't have an actor's name for Cyborg. So they didn't credit him. Well, probably because they didn't want people to know he was coming. Yeah. Do you remember the whole Ash thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it aired yesterday, so it might show up on IMDb at least today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so is there anything else from this episode that we need to talk about? I don't really think so, no. So we know that Captain Pike's a good cook. Yes. We know that starting a, a mutiny is a common strategy that he's used before with Una. Yes, and we know pirates aren't that bright to fall for that. <laughs> oh, and we learned that Starfleet calls Captain Pike their Boy Scout. Yes. And that's actually in his Starfleet file. That was kind of funny. Yeah. I think that's it. Oh, one other thing that I thought was really hilarious was Ortega's dating scale of how to get close. <laughs> <laughs> When he said get closer, and she says how close, like first date yeah. or third date, I thought that was hilarious. Yes. Uh, other than that, I think that's the highlights of the episode. A cotton candy episode. I think that's what I'm going to call it. Melts in the mouth really fast. On scale of one to ten, what would you give this one? Seven. A seven. <laughs> you are generous, my friend. <laughs> I think I'm giving it a six. Well, I'm trying to gauge it with all of my other scores for this series, because if I looked at my scores for Discovery, they were all in the sevens. You know what I mean? So 
Yeah. I'm trying to gauge it with this series, and pretty much I think I've given eights. And yeah, you know what? Up. I think you're right. I think I'm going to bump mine up to a seven too because it was it was fun. It was you know it wasn't anything that left me with a bad taste in my mouth or anything like that. It was just a fun little story. And like I always tell you, we usually watch it on Thursday morning while we're getting ready to go. So I'm not paying 100% attention, obviously, because we're getting, my son's getting ready and all that. And then I'll watch it again Friday morning to pay attention. I didn't even watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) You can only eat so much popcorn. Right. Well, we invite our listeners to join us for the next episode, which is called The Elysian Kingdom. Looking forward to talking about it. Okay. We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.